I love that, Sam. Uh, it's classic. Just right, Bob. <laughs> I think I'm going to move this thing because last service, somebody came up and did it for us. So, Sean, wherever you're at, you're going to have to move it back. <laughs> I've been reflecting all morning long about what it's like to know and to be known. There's a lot of you I don't know here, but there's a lot as I look out and see faces that, I, that know us. And that's a precious thing. And as we, you know, it's been many years since we were sent out from this very body. And we have tasted, we have experienced what it's like to be cared for by you guys. And that's been a precious thing. And so, yeah, as we begin, we just say thank you. And uh, it's a delight to be able to be here uh, and share with you today. A few years ago, I'm going to say, whoops. Let's see, where are we at? Okay, so this is one of the technical difficulties they warned you about. <laughs> Let's see if we can swing back to the very beginning of the presentation, Junhee. I'll just, as she cues that up, look for the milestone there. Uh, a few years ago, our daughter got married in the south coast of London, or England, and we had a chance to walk along the coast one afternoon, and we'd see these milestones, eh, like that. <laughs> We'd see these milestones, and they would say, okay, where you've been, where you're going, and have a little distance there. And that was helpful to us in terms of orienting along the journey, right? So much so that we use that word, milestone, to, to talk about our own personal journey. So, for example, like a baby's first step is such a significant event in their life. We talk about that as a milestone. Or there's some of you that are likely going to graduate uh, later this month, that too is a milestone. Well, I think as you look at people's ministries, for example, like the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you can identify particular milestones there as well. And on this map, I think we can see one, all right? And that's the completion of his first missionary journey. Here in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Paul for the ministry that I have for them, and the church sent them out. They went out through Cyprus and on up into modern-day Turkey. They proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. They established churches and appointed elders, and when they were done, here's what we read about what happened when they reached that milestone. It says, from the coast there at Atalia, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had completed. So they didn't just run off to some other place, but they came back to the place where they had been commended to go out. Now, when they had come, they gathered the church together, just like this body is doing right now. And they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And simply put, that's what we want to do today. Okay, we'd like to, we feel like we're kind of at this milestone sort of, sort of place. We've been now at the end of this year, 15 years since you sent us out as your representatives. It's a long time. Some of you guys, wow, <laughs> you're probably thinking 15 years, that guy must be ancient. Um, 15 years. And during most of that time, our work has been focused on this, serving the needs of oral learners. Oral learners are folks that can't yet or don't read. Many of them in Papua, the area that we work, work in, 
Many of them come from groups that don't yet have a written language. And so they're deeply embedded in these oral cultures. And at a period of time, several years into our service there, we were asked to work alongside a couple of young ladies from Wycliffe, Indonesia, Kartidai, to champion the development of a training program, which we call One Story, to develop translation products that would uniquely meet the needs of oral learners. Okay? And... We feel like over the last, say, five, four or five years, a lot of things have come to completion. And so we're at this stage where we want to be able to come back and feel like it's fitting to report to you. And to do that, I want to use this verse as our framework. Psalm 92.4, it says, You, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. And what that, what that speaks to me and why I feel like that's really fitting is that it tells us that the work that we're going to talk about, it's God's work. It's an amazing thing that he invites us into that, to be a part of what he's doing. But fundamentally, it's God's work. He's the one that's empowering and enabling. And the second thing is, is that as we have a chance to take, take in and see what God is at work doing, it brings joy to our heart. So here's what I want to do today. I want to share with you seven things that have caused our hearts to sing for joy as we've watched God at work in and through the ministry that we are partnering with Faith Evangelical Free Church and others in there in Indonesia. And the first of those is this. It has made our hearts sing for joy as we've watched God do the impossible. That's a screenshot from this. This is a list, and I'm going to ask my wife if she would. Some of you that have been around here a long time, you've seen this before. (laughs) I share this with you because this is how it all began for us. When I first got this, I was a professor at K-State. My wife and I loved life here in Manhattan. We have four lovely kids. We loved that. We loved our church here, ministry in the body of Christ. We loved my my job at K-State, but we felt like God was calling us to something new. And when we saw this, we prayed about that for several years together. When we saw this, it was like God said, that's what I want for you. This is a list of every language in the world that doesn't have scripture in their language. We swim in it. But these are those that have none. And at that point, God just pierced our heart and said, go help. Be a part of that. And that prompted us to go visit with the elder board, Steve. And uh, that led us on to joining with the Bible translators and moving to Indonesia. And it has not all been sweetness and light. But I, I, you know, I'm just here to say that, that, that God's at work doing amazing things around the world. And as we, you know, as we looked at this and then we saw the challenge that we were challenged to do to embrace uh, developing a translation program for oral learners, it's like, wow. Man, how could we ever, how could we ever significantly help with that? We felt so weak. To be honest, most of the time, we felt like this, you know, <laughs> right? That resonates with you, right? That's a story that tells us that, that, yeah, there are times where we're called into things where we're deeply weak. We feel deeply insignificant. 
And yet over and over, God spoke to us what I believe is the essence of this scripture from the Apostle Paul, that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And I feel like, you know, God says to us, I delight in taking the weak and the insignificant, the small things of the world. And we felt that in the face of something like that. We felt that. And yet, he said, if you'll walk faithfully with me, I will be with you. And it is our delight to be able to report back to you. We have worked lots of blood, sweat, and tears the Lord has added more people to the team that is working on this in Indonesia. He's built up the training program. And in and through the work that has occurred that you've been a part of, there are now 36 languages that have a robust Bible story panorama in their language, many of which for the very first time ever. There are some on here that definitely did have something in writing in advance, like the Adopi and the, and the Maya, but the vast majority of these did not even have a written language at the time we started. And so we just say, praise God for what he has been at work doing, bringing about what is the impossible, at least from our human standpoint. And so to kind of like put a stake in the ground at this stage and say, God, you did this. What I'd like to do is ask our, our, our senior pastor, Steve, to come up here right now, and I'm going to grab this thing. And we're just going to take a few of these. We're saving some for other services, okay? <laughs> we're going to take a few of these languages, and we're just going to mark them off and just to say, God, you did this, and you allowed us to be a part of that and do that together. So let's go here. Steve, let's, I'm going to come down to these guys here, Okay. Let's just, we won't do all of them because that'll take a long time, but let's, let's just start here uh, with the Wallach language. That was a language I was a consultant for, all right? The Wamali language from Maluku, there, the other one was from Papua, the Wamali language from, from uh, Maluku, and then this, the Wolio language, which is from Sulawesi. And just to say, thank you, God. What we do, what we invest in is not in vain. And we just give praise and thanks and appreciate you guys for being a part of that. So I'm going to let that. Thanks, David. <laughs> so everything else that I'm going to talk about, the other six things, they all flow out of that, okay? And the second thing that has really caused our hearts to sing for joy has been to watch how God takes his word, even in simple story form, and uses it to open the doors for people into clearer understanding of the gospel, enabling spiritual growth, all kinds of things. This is a testimony from a man, from a Papuan, about what it's like to hear the gospel, to hear scripture in the national language, which he controls okay to a degree, but to hear it in national language versus hearing it in his own language. Take a listen. Bora 
Don't you love that? It's like wiping his eyes. It's like we can now really see. And to see fish down clear in, that's really significant for them because that's how they get their food. It's through hunting, the guys that, a lot of the guys that we work with. So it's, it's, it's a, an incredible thing to see how God takes and uses his word to open the door to a really clear understanding of the gospel. We've had folks come and actually participate as mother tongue translators in some of these things. And through the time, as they work through these stories, go, that's what that really means. And want to then at that stage really commit themselves to Christ. It enables uh, a growth in terms of spiritual, uh, their own spiritual formation and development. As well as, you know, think about Sunday school. What would you use in ministry, right? If you don't have something in your language to be able to, to, to share, what would you use as you're teaching Sunday school today to, to the young ones that are here, right? So it opens up an opportunity for things to be used in terms of ministry. It also provides a basis for us, since we're kind of flipping things around and we're working with oral learners first, it helps us understand how the language is structured and eventually develop even a written form of that language, which in turn opens the door to f further tr uh, translation work. And a lot of the guys that we've worked with in doing the oral Bible story sets have now moved on and are entering more formal translation types of programs. And the last thing I just mentioned is that uh, I see my daughter-in-law here. She's a literacy specialist. And, you know, as you get little, uh, uh, you get a written language, you can start doing little booklets that can be used as primers that can open up the door to literacy, uh, to development. I mean, we, we even do little booklets uh, that will show things like, well, what happens if you get bit by a jungle pig? How do you clean out the wound, you know? Or what happens, how do you avoid malaria, or things like that? And so even from a developmental standpoint, there's lots of, of just benefit as, as God opens the door. Here's the third thing that really has made our hearts sing for joy, and that as, as his word is made available, as it's clearly understood, it can affect radical transformation in people's lives. The guys, eyes you're looking at here is a man named Matthias. He is from the Yetfa tribe, and he is a guy that is a, a shaman, a practitioner of black magic, as it were. In Indonesian, they, use the, they call that matadua. That means it's like you can see with two eyes. I can see into the spiritual realm, and I can see into the physical realm, and I can dabble in both sides. And so this guy in the Yetfa group was actually quite feared because of like raining down curses on people and things like that. Well, listen to his testimony about what it meant to him as he heard the scripture in Yetfa for the first time. Oh, 
Claro, soy el tío de la escuela, soy el tío de la escuela. That's such a, a beautiful picture of the word repentance, where as he embraced, as he heard scripture and embraced Christ, he wanted to turn from that and leave behind the things that were that were, were binding him. And we've seen, I could tell you stories of warlords, children of warlords, all kinds of things where people have had their lives just totally turned around as they heard scripture in their language and were and embraced that. They clearly understood what the gospel was, was teaching. Here's the fourth thing that has really made our song Hearts Sing for Joy. And it's no surprise, you see that kind of effect? How would you expect that would be received? Well, it's received with great enthusiasm. And often we see guys with lots of enthusiasm actually going and carrying that out. Here's a little picture of that uh, from the Yetfa group again. And, it, and it's showing when the Yetfa one-story team was going from their main village out to outlying village to carry the Yetfa Bible story set to these folks for the first time ever. They had heard they were coming by SS Band Radio, and here's the response they got as they trekked out of the jungle and were ready to come into the village. If you didn't know the folks, you might be asking, happy or sad? <laughs> you know, you look at that and it's like, yeah, they got the bows out and everything. But I think the whistle gives it away. I'm not sure where he got that, but he's got that little whistle going and, and things. So people are pretty happy. And they had a wonderful time as they shared those Bible stories with them for the first time ever hearing that in their own language. It's a precious, a precious thing. Here's the fifth thing that I'd like to share with you that has made our hearts sing for joy, and that is watching as God, he takes and he elevates those on the fringes of society. Not the people in power necessarily, not the people that, you know, the, the wealthy, the this, the that, but looking down to those who are on the edges of society and lifts them up. In Papua, this is a, son that my, a picture that my, my, my son took uh, of some, some women in the Maya language group. At, I mean, and it kind of captures a bit of, of what the, the reality has been for women in Papuan culture in many places. Often they're the ones that have borne the brunt of hard labor. Often they've been viewed as property. 
to be bought, to be sold, to be discarded, to be added to. In some cases, even thought of as something other than human. We've had a man from the Sawi language group sit on our porch and tell us, my understanding is from our culture that women come from the tail of a dog. Can you imagine what that would do to the heart of a person to grow up under that? Well, our delight has been that as Scripture has begun available to these folks, and in particular, as the early stories from creation have been made available, women and men from those cultures begin to catch and understand we've all been made in God's image. Equally valuable, equally significant, equally precious in their sight, and it just changes things. I've seen a pastor stand up and go, Whoa, we're all made that way. We've got to treat our women differently. And seeing the place break into applause, that's the kind of transformation that that can come as God's word really opens up uh, people's hearts. And you can imagine what that must do for the women. Women that often have been on the out fringe, not had access to education. They don't really control Indonesian, the national language that well. So how do they grow? As they get this in their language, it enables them to say yes and to begin to have something that they in turn can share. You don't have to be a a literate person. You don't have to have a lot of training. You too can minister to others and be bold enough to stand up and share what you've got as you take that in your own heart and language. And I've got a a, a quick example of a, a widow woman, an old grandma who's, yeah, Definitely limited in terms of ability to, to read and write. And just, just, just catch her enthusiasm as she uh, practices telling the story of the giving of the Ten Commandments. These are little props that she's using to help her. I've seen this lady. Um, she became part of our, our core team of trainers to train other people to go out and, and, and to share Bible stories in the Maya language group. I've seen her stand next to a pastor and to t- help coach him in learning a Bible story. And as he got it, she's just like jumping up and down, you know, just excited. I mean, she has a way of actually building back into her community. That's a phenomenal thing to see God just taking and lifting up people from the fringes as they hear his word. It's a precious thing. The sixth thing I'd like to share with you is that we've been privileged to see on a number of occasions as our Papuan brothers and sisters have been faithful in using what God has put in their hand that he has just chosen to pour out his spirit. Um, 
This is a picture of a, a few of our Maya friends, and they have developed a thing that they call a seminar. So what they do is they take two or three stories that are similar, and uh, like all from creation or all from the early church or something like that, and what they'll do is they will just say, all right, everybody in this region, they'll travel to an area, everybody in this region, gather together, and we're all going to learn this story this morning. Want to pull that down? You bet. All right. Um, they'll all learn this story that morning. And then they will sit down, and uh, my son can verify this. They can talk for a long time. <laughs> he can go for like two hours, three hours, talk like that. Then they'll eat. There's always eating involved. And then they go back, and let's do it again. Let's replay that. We'll get another story, and we'll go back through that and do that. And then it may be, all right, just spread out and find wherever you can sleep to sleep because we're going to do it again in the morning, you know. And at the end of that time, typically they have an opportunity for people to respond. And this past fall, they did this. This same thing with uh, several stories from the end of Revelation, and one of our one of the young men that has been out to college and back had learned how to use a smartphone, and he took these pictures, place after place, as they shared God's word, made it clear what was being there, and they talked about that, and they gave opportunity for people to profess their faith in Christ or to renew their commitment, place after place, just. Re- God just poured out his spirit. And I have to tell you, it's not because it's like, whoa, they're such eloquent speakers. Or because they have this great little program that just smoke and mirrors and all kinds of excitement and things like that. But simply because I believe they've shared the word. People have had a chance to dwell in it, internalize it, and their hearts are ready to respond. And it's been an amazing thing to watch that happen. The last thing is this. It has been our delight to watch our Papuan brothers and sisters gain the capacity to build back into their, gener- into their language groups for generations to come. Most of these folks come from the far edges of the educational realm. They haven't had the opportunity of advanced education and whatnot. Many, for the first time ever, they've touched a computer when they've gotten involved with our translation workshops. And to see them gain capacity, like these guys, like Yuli, and C- Yuli from the Abawiri group and, and Sion from the Yetfa group, and then come back in, and they are actually teaching over here in the next language cluster and saying to their Papuan brothers and sisters, you can do it. We did it. You can do it. And it's a phenomenal thing to see that occur. And I'm just here to tell you that doesn't happen just by one person doing something that happens by us all pulling together and saying yes Lord we want to be a part of what you're doing going around and we just say thank you to you as faithy free for being our sending body and for upholding us in in prayer and encouragement and support and so yeah there's a ton more that I would like to say (laughs) But our time is limited today. If if something you've heard stirs your interest, come back on Tuesday night, 6.30, and we're going to share a little more specifically about uh, the last language cluster that we worked on and then the Maya project. But I just want to ask us to consider for a couple minutes how we should respond to this, okay? Two quick things. One is I want to come back to Psalm 92. There's two, two parts of this. 
One part is talking about, up here about, we, it's good to give thanks, to sing praises and declare steadfast love, etc. And down here we have this part about, Lord, you've made me glad by the works of your hand. The thing I'd like you to notice is that those things are joined by a connector here, the word for, because. Because we, because we have been blessed to see the works of your hands and it has borne joy in our hearts, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us to stand up and say, praise God. It's a good thing for us to give thanks. It's a good thing for us to proclaim, to declare his goodness here in the land of the living. So I, I hope that you've had a taste of that this morning and say, thank you, God, for what you are at work doing. Yeah. The second thing is this. Let's remember to pray. Because there are lots of groups that are still like those on this group that have never been checked off. Lots of groups still waiting to hear his word in their own language. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your heart, for the, for the simple, for the disenfranchised, for the broken. Thank you, God, that you're one that reaches out and, 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 and even when there's 99 here, you go out in search of the one. And we thank you, Lord, for how you delight in taking the small and insignificant things to do absolutely mind-blowing, wonderful things. We exalt you. We exalt the name of your son, Jesus, because of that. You are great. And we worship you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.